Hour number two of Canuck Central in the Kintech studio. If you missed hour number one, we spoke with Patrick Alveen, Canucks general manager. A lot of uh, follow-ups on the plan, where it all goes from here with the Vancouver Canucks. And um, yeah, he gave a lot of answers. He's also getting pretty good at avoiding the question, is Patrick Alvine. But um, it's another conversation for another day. Uh, he's doing a lot of politicking, I guess you could say. But Patty Tightlips. <laughs> you can check it out on uh, the podcast, now available on your favorite podcast, your Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and of course, Spotify, whichever you do prefer. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Let's bring in our next guest. It is Irfan Gaffar, the fourth period Canucks insider. What's happening, Irf? What's going on, fellas? Uh, deadline day in the books, and uh, Canucks, uh, though they got a little bit done today, trading Curtis Lazar and... Uh, of course, the mm-hmm. uh, last-minute deal with Wyatt Kalanick going to the New York Rangers. It um, was less than expected considering their cap situation after trading for Philip Hronick earlier this week. Yes, it was a uh, it was a deadline day. <laughs> there we go. For, Very for, well done. For, I mean, well I, done. I, th- I think around the league, though, for the most part. But yeah. all the big um, moves were already made. Yeah, of course, all the big sexy moves. Everyone got their shiny new toys well before the NHL trade deadline, and then teams kind of had to panic a little bit. And I think that when you look at what the Vancouver Canucks did and what was reported that was around and that they could have done, I think people that's why people were so upset um, on social media today is because of what could have been or what may have been. And I think that that was the problem was. And everyone, everyone knows now, you're going into next season as construction, you're still over the cap. Mm-hmm. So, and you hear Patrick Alvin basically say that, well, we're in a good position to maybe to be compliant before the season starts. Well, they were in a good position as well to shed salary at the beginning of the season before the deadline. And they didn't end up doing any of that. So I think if you're a fan, that's why you get rubbed the wrong way. But um, yeah, now it's now we're off to the races and we're off to summer. Yeah, and, you know, before we talk about what could happen in the summer, potentially, because Alvin told us that they believe there are some guys, based on their conversations around the deadline, that they can move for value, potentially. So, so we'll get to that. But the big storyline, and the organization has denied that they were ever close and never got any offers on JT Miller. And we know the reporting on JT that Pittsburgh... Um, apparently offered draft picks. That was a couple of reports that came out that were hot after him, which has been denied. So what do you make of this entire JT Miller situation? <laughs> because it's been one of the oddest things I've seen to see this much, let's say, variance on one issue in terms of the reporting and from both sides of how people view this. Yeah, well, they tried to get rid of him at the draft and they almost had something with the New York Islanders. And that obviously fell through, mm-hmm. right? And then you sign him to a long-term contract. And then... I guess it comes out now that you're admitting kind of a mistake in a little bit because you're actively trying to get rid of him, like keeping him out saying that he's week to week. And then he all of a sudden miraculously, he got every single soccer player, soccer spray and played (laughs) on the Thursday night. Like, I I just don't know how that, how that works because they couldn't have a deal. What we do know is that the Canucks and Pens did talk and they talked often. I think it was uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, leading up to the draft or leading up to the trade deadline. Um, JT Miller's name was definitely brought up as was Brock Besser's. 
Um, and when push came to shove, there, I don't believe that there was an actual offer on the table. I believe from the um, Pittsburgh Penguins standpoint, it said, okay, well, what if we did this or what if we did that? It wasn't anything that was actually tabled to the Vancouver Canucks. Um, so from Patrick Alvin's point of view, yeah, he's right in a way where there's no offer presented to himself, presented to him, but they probably had conversations of what a framework of a deal would have looked like. So I think that that's where things kind of get lost, where – the reporting says, okay, yeah, there, there was an offer and it was here. And the Canucks are saying no, but it wasn't really an offer. It was discussions on what an offer would look like. And that's kind of where I think things are, things kind of stopped um, when the conversations um, got, got to that point. You know, when I, when I look at Pittsburgh as a, as a potential trade partner for JT Miller, they don't make a ton of sense because they don't have no. high-value draft picks. They don't have any high-value prospects. Um, they probably are going to want you to take some kind of money back, right? It just, it doesn't add up. Not with where this team wants to go and how they want to improve for next season. I, it just, I don't know, the link never really made sense to me. Well, and, and I think, Sam, you, you and I have talked about this before. It's if you, the Canucks have most to get draft picks, assets, and go and use those picks to try and get a player, right? Yeah. So if the, if the offer to them was on the table, and it was picks and whatever, and they weren't willing to do that and to get the $56 million off their book, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I, from the Canucks standpoint, okay, if you're going to get a pick and the, one of them's a first-round pick, you can, you can take that and have it in your back pocket in the summer when you go into, go into the draft, obviously, and to try and make other moves to try and improve your lineup that way. You can easily get another center. You know, JT Miller wasn't going to get you a top center anyways. Mm-hmm. He's going to get you picks. That's probably all he was going to get you. And and in, in in theory, he was doing you a favor. They're doing you a favor, taking that money off your books, right? Oh. So uh, I just I don't know about. Well, that's the way we well, view it. Do the Canucks view it yeah. that way? I don't know. I, I don't know. I really it doesn't don't. Seem I don't like they there, do. I just don't think there was a full offer. No, you're right. Well, yeah. I think if I think what they want is if they had a target in mind. Let, let's say if they knew there was a centerman that they wanted and they knew what the price to acquire him was. I think they'd do the same thing as a Horvat deal, right? Where you take yeah. back the best asset and, as, like Earth mentioned, flip that asset to the other team mm-hmm. and make a delayed three-way team, essentially, or just wait for that guy to yeah. become available for you. So I think if you... And everything we've seen from this team, Earth, is if they're making a big move, they already know what they're targeting for the next one. We yeah. saw that with Dermot, well, right? With Hamannick, Dermot, yeah. and the Horvat and Horonic. And I wonder if they're yeah. moving JT for picks, they would want to have their next target figured out. Yeah. And you just kind of look at the market, right? Well, what guys were kind of going for this year. It was, it was really weird. Start off, like, Tanner Janot went for everything. Mm-hmm. And Jacob Chicken went for nothing, right? Um, but I think that, you know, if you're the Vancouver Canucks now, you kind of know where you sit. You, you go into the offseason now saying, okay, this is, this is something we have a plan now here. Is it going to be JT Miller? Is it going to be Brock Wester? Are we going to try and move a guy like Connor Garland? How are we going to use these guys? and try and either shed some salary if we can with any of them and, and, and try and improve our hockey team. But I don't, like I said a couple of days before the deadline, I, I didn't think the Canucks were in the rush to make a move. I think that if a team had approached them and made them an offer that they couldn't refuse, they would have taken it. And that's why nothing happened. Do you think teams come calling again at draft time for JT Miller? I think, I, I think that you have a lot more teams than you did at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. for sure. Because now you have the whole league. 
you don't just have teams that are looking to make the playoffs or contending teams looking to compete in the playoffs. I think now you have really 30, 31 other teams um, that, that, that you can have these conversations with. And um, that's, I mean, that, that's a good thing for the Canucks. So yeah, I, I do think that that teams will come calling. So they mentioned that they feel like they can move some guys out money wise. And th- there's a sense that, you know, they can make some moves. We know Besser obviously is not one of those players. It seems like it's going to be hard to move him out. Yeah. Does it seem like they could get a market around players like Garland and Bavillier potentially? Yeah. I think they like what they see from Bavillier right now though. Yeah. yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I, I really do. I, I think that in very short time, that lines look pretty good. Um, there's some chemistry there. Um, and from all accounts, um, pretty good in the room and, you know, the coach really likes them. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I mean, if you're, if you're obviously trying to shed salary and, and, and do things that way, and, and he's a guy that comes that another team wants, you, you have to take a look at it. Um, Connor Garland, the, the, the same thing. Brock, obviously I agree with you is going to be hard. Um, they didn't need salary. They, they didn't want to eat salary. Not enough to say that they had something in the works where, they, they wouldn't, and if they did, something would have happened. I'm not saying that at all. But I, I think that's going to be a very difficult thing to ask as well um, as we head into next season. Well, I think it, you look at a player like Michael Granlund, went for a second-round pick, has the same amount yeah. of term as Brock Besser does, but is that a $5 million cap charge? I think like it's, it's pretty obvious. Teams are asking the Canucks to eat at least 25% on Brock's deal in order for them to yeah. procure some kind of an asset back. No, hundred percent. I, I agree with you, <laughs> and I yeah. think, it, I, I, and I think it's tough, right? And I, honestly, like you know, people are. I, I, I get the bashing of the Canucks front office, but I agree with them on that. You know, like you have a player yeah. that projects as a twenty-five, potentially thirty goal scorer when he's going. Even this year, in a down year, like the points are still there. Just his all-around game hasn't really been there with the injuries starting the year, and everything's kind of gone haywire. You know, you make the bet that Brock bounces back at some point and his value, you know, bounces back at some point, especially once the cap starts to go up again. I don't like that's one of the things I don't necessarily disagree with how this management group is handling that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, what's who's to say he doesn't bounce back next year as a great year and then they revisit at the deadline yeah. when he's really valuable. Mm-hmm. Right. But I mean, we obviously heard what Patrick Alvin said that their hope is to make the playoffs next season. So we'll have to see what their summer philosophy looks like as the way that they construct this hockey team. Well, they kind of have to make the playoffs next year, right? I mean, you missed the playoffs this year when, oh, you, yeah. when you made... I mean, they actually improved the roster coming up to this, into this season, didn't they? I mean, mm-hmm. they went and got Kuzmenko yeah. and Mikheyev. They spent on the same team that you know made the push with Bruce and missed the playoffs. They spent on that team, and they fell flat, right? And they said, you know, it's on us this year. So next year, you got to make the playoffs. That would be two years in a row that you pushed and missed the playoffs. I'm yeah, not saying I mean, you should you get fired have... for that, but what I'm saying is like no. that's two failing, failing years. So now they've already set the expectation for next year to be a playoff team. So that means you're going to have to be aggressive to make some moves, which I think they will be. And the question is, if you can make trades, great. We'll see if they do. If you can't, are they willing to use a buyout? Patrick Alvin said it's something he doesn't want to do. I guess the bigger question is how willing would ownership be to fork over a lot of money to buy out, say, a guy like Albrecht Malarson? I think that's the biggest question here. When you hear management say they don't want to do that, is that because they don't want to or because they're not allowed to? I I mean, I don't know. I, I think uh, the OEL thing's funny, right? Because he's obviously not playing well, hasn't played well, and the right. contract is monstrous. Um, we all know the history with Rick Chalkett and things like that, but... It's, it's that defense as a whole, right? 
you can talk about the forward group as much as they want and how much they spend on it and, and it looks good and the Beauvilliers and, and whatever and can we get something, can we get a piece back for any of our forwards. If you don't improve that defense, you're not going anywhere. Like, mm-hmm. You're not. So whether that's, you know, trading, um, you know, a, a forge to try and get a defenseman or, or, or something, you, you have to improve that defense next season. Otherwise, there is no playoffs. Uh, Vladislav Gravarkov, a Dan Milstein client, just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> the Washington Capitals 2.0. Yeah, yeah. The Vancouver Caps. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're, close, they're closer to Russia than Washington is. It's <laughs> also true. true. Uh, it's very, very true. Um, it, it's just so hard to figure out how all of this works when they're right up against the cap. Like they, the, the first priority has to be moving cap space out because it's a prerequisite to them doing literally anything else on this roster. Yeah. And it has to be the most, like, it is the most frustrating thing about how you build this because, like, you're 27th in the league. Why are you still walking the salary cap tightrope, the ceiling of the salary cap tightrope? It shouldn't, it shouldn't, yeah. they shouldn't be where they are right now. Well, I mean, a couple of deals were their, were their fault. And then a couple of deals were, you know, um, fault for previous regime. Yeah, they've right? painted them in the, the, into this own, like, their own corner now, though. Yeah, like they did this themselves, 100%. This this one's on them, right? But they're the only ones that can get themselves out of it. So it's be creative. Yeah. Or you're gonna have to, or or you're gonna have to spend the money, right? Or or you're gonna have to figure out a partner that someone might be willing to retain salary as a third party. Mm-hmm. But that's not gonna happen at all, right? Heading into a new season, who does that? Arizona has half the salary of the half the half the NHL right now <laughs> on their books, and Chris Pronger hasn't played in a billion years. That guy's still still there. Yeah. What, what is it, 42% of their salary cap expenditure is on IR right now? It's crazy. Yeah. Well, More than that, I think. Well, so, all this stuff, right, in yep. terms of money being spent and, and the team's obviously pushing towards the playoffs next season, and the message to the fans is we want to be a playoff team next year. Clearly, the message then, obviously, to the players is we want to be a playoff team next year. How do you think that's going by? We heard Quinn Hughes obviously say good things about the Heronic trade. Feels like they're not that far off. It's been a very tumultuous year this year. A lot of rumors, a lot of dysfunction. With the direction now being set to be a playoff team again next year and going out and making this deal, how do you think that's going over with the players? Uh, I think that when you look at it as a whole, like for this next month and a half of the season that they have left, like, you're not going to tell professional athletes to go out there and not compete at their best, mm-hmm. right? You, it, 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 I mean, you're going to, you can sit guys out and quote-unquote tank if you want. You cannot start Demko three out of eight, five or six games. So that You're just going to piss him off at that point, right? So I think the players, it's in their DNA they want to win, right? They want to be competitive. I think some of them understand where they are in the standings, obviously, and what could be you know, getting, if, if, if they're that knowledgeable about the draft and want to learn about it, what, knowing what could come up. But from, from a player's perspective, to be completely honest, yeah, it's been a really crappy year. There's been a lot of stuff that's said in and out of that room. Um, at the end of the day, their, their job is to go out and play hockey, as bad as it sounds, and, 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 and answer questions from us. They really have no control. No one's going to management saying, you know, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Um, it's management, management's decision to put the players – on the bench and it's the coach's job to figure out how to get those players to their best um, possible performance so they can go out and try and win hockey games. Is this team better than we think they are? 
Because they, well, seem they to, think so. They seem to be the only ones that think this team is better than they are. <laughs> Am I, I wrong? mean, when they're when they're when they're all playing well. I mean, if if, if JT's playing well, he's over a point a game guy. If he's a ninety nine point guy, you know, and 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 and, and Bester's the twenty five goal guy. Yeah. And well, you always know PD's playing well. Kuzmenko is a great surprise. And you know they can get contribution from Amon and and guys like. Um, uh, guys like uh, Dakota Joshua, and yeah. and of that nature. But other than that, the the biggest problem with this team is that defense. Yeah. And until they re- resolve that, this team is going nowhere fast. Well, and you know what? And and that's the thing. And we talked about this yesterday. It's like we sit here and say, go and make trades and yeah. get draft picks. Not just because you know you make selections, but it gives you ammo. And if you want to get a young right hand defenseman, you got to give something up. You need to have good draft picks. That's the only way you yeah. can get them. And a team goes out and acquires a first-round pick, flips it, and a second-round pick to acquire that 25-year-old right-hand defenseman they need. I mean, all we're talking about here is they need to improve the defense. They need to improve the defense. And our criticism isn't, well, they are improving the defense. Yeah. But it's like, no, not that defenseman. Or like, oh, he's too old. Like, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's always a yeah, but. But the reality is, if you're trying to find a right-hand defenseman, it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you something. Yeah. yeah. Right? And there was going to be a cost to acquire that player. The biggest issue is, are you ready to make that move or not? Honestly, yeah, it was always going to be a bit of a retool instead of a rebuild. Is Hronik going to fit? Because if Hronik is a star player, like they're betting on him being, I think it changes the blue line. But that's where we're at, right? Like they have to hit on it. Not only does he have to be fine, he has to be able to carry a deep pair. If yeah. he does, I don't think anybody's going to complain about this trade in a couple of years and this team gets better. Because well, if he gets better, he's gotta, you have two he's, pairs. Yeah, yeah he's got to be. Oh, well, I mean, he's probably going to be Quinn's partner to start. Oof. Right, and and I think that that's one of the things that. Well, is that because OEL is going to be back? I want to see him with OEL. Do you though? You want to see him with OEL? <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe you look at it and you say, "Those numbers were." I with... think he's going to play. I I think starting next year he's going to play. I think he's. Or sorry, I think he's going to play with Quinn when he's healthy. He's Quinn's partner. That's. Well, they, how, long they, how, long have, how long have they been saying that they needed a right shot defenseman to play with Quinn? And now they have a young 25-year-old right shot defense and there's 38 points in 60-something games this season. He's hurt right now. He's got yeah. a booming slot shot and, and, all, and, all, and all that good stuff. Play him with Quinn. If, but, if things don't work, you can always move him. But, no, but play the, him with the guy that you brought him here to play with. It's not that it won't work. It's just that like, it doesn't matter who plays with Quinn. That, that pairing has success. Right? It, it, it's I like agree. what happens without Quinn on the ice. That's the problem. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I will say though we, we get so caught up in this and like you got this guy to play with that guy but until you get on the ice and yeah. try it out you never know right so we, we, it, it all comes down to is it all going to work out or not but I think no matter how you slice it there's one more defenseman they need mm-hmm. no matter yeah. how you slice it you got to have at least three good defensemen yeah. and they've got two overpaid defensemen at, that aren't really good <laughs> that's a problem yeah you look at teams that win the Stanley Cup all of them have an elite defenseman yeah. well, at least one and they can always have one in Quinn Hughes so surround him with good other good ones. Uh, There's a couple. It's uh, it's uh, not it's it's grim. It's <laughs> it's uh, it's it's Vancouver in January. It's uh, it's it's dark. I know, right and then it, like noon hits, and then it starts pissing rain outside. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh my god. I mean, are, are we? So you know how? Uh, hey, we've all been in a situation where it's like you know you're trying to make ends meet, 
and you got a lottery ticket. Yeah. You're like, you know what? If, if this lottery ticket hits, it just it just solves so many things in my life. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it would just That's solve when so I buy many the things. 50-50 for the Leafs game tomorrow. <laughs> right? yes. It's like, it, this will solve a lot of different things for you. But what is that? That's a hope bet. Yeah. That means that what yeah. you're doing is you're not confident enough in that you're hoping something breaks for you, right? And I think one of the hope bets here is the draft pick. Like, how much does everything change if they hit, if they get lottery luck? Like, is that what, what we're yeah, waiting so for here? hit Bedard? Bedard, but, uh, you know, uh, okay. No, Bedard, top, even, five, top five. Top five, right? Because I will say, for, for, so absolutely, like, we sit here and talk about the Canucks don't have a, top, a lot coming, right? And they got Ratu, they got Lakiramaki, but it's clear Ratu needs time. Lakiramaki is a bit of a project. And all their other prospects are guys that need a bit of time, unless you're counting Rathbone, Pitkolzin, and, and Hopelander yeah. in, that, in that kind of discussion, right? Outside of that, everything's going to take a bit of time. But the way this draft is shaping up with the forwards, the top six to seven picks potentially, maybe even eight, depending on how big you view that kind of second tier being. And if you really like somebody on the outside, that's a player that could play for you within a year or two and could be an impact player for you within three years. And that's a guy coming in on an ELC. Yes, you want to hit the top three pick because you get a real difference maker. But this pick, you can't miss on. Like the pick they're making this year, not only can't they miss on it, it's a player... if they have to get into the lineup in a couple of years. And not to rush them, yeah. but that's kind of what it, what it shapes up to be. And the players this year in the draft can help you pretty quickly. Like the top six or seven is kind of right there. Like that that's a part of this equation that has to hit for them as well. Yeah, I think so too. I, I agree. Look, I, it, it's funny. You, look, we're thinking these scenarios. Fans are thinking these scenarios. People on Twitter are typing these scenarios. Patrick Alvin's got these scenarios rolling around in his brain too. He's like, we got to hit. Yeah. We just got to hit, man. We gotta hit one of them. There's got luck at some point. Whatever, whatever piece of luck that you need to take to this draft and go and, <clears throat> and go in with it, you totally take it. But we'll see what happens, right? That's why the draft lottery is so exciting. Um, it's it's gonna be interesting. But uh, the biggest move and they this, made. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, the biggest move they made today. They called back uh, Phil DiGiuseppe. <laughs> Waiting for that. Took Let's you go. ninety minutes to get to it. They got back Phil yeah. DiGiuseppe from Abbotsford. It's big. I thought I was going to go through this whole <laughs> whole hit without having to hear you talk about him in your Italian accent. I mean, it's it's big move today. I like yeah. that. Uh, Earth, I know it's been a busy day, busy week. Uh, always appreciate the time, man. All right, guys. Be well. Uh, there he is, Earth on Gafar. Y- you know, this entire trade really hinges on Hironic. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to make this. I mean, honestly, the future's organization hinges on two things: one, Heronic, the other one being this year's draft pick. Yeah, and I'm not overstating things by saying that because you don't have a lot coming. Like you have to hit on this pick, and this player has to be a hit because of the capital you spent on it. Yeah, like ultimately, that's you know, we can sit here and talk about what you, what would you have done differently, and we can talk until we're blue in the face about what we would have done and what should have happened. For this to be a success, he's got a hit. And is there a chance for that to happen? I do think so. Like. Have we spent enough time talking about Heronic as a player? No. Like, we talked about this on the panel last night. And one of the things about his game, and I've been diving into it a little bit. I'll do more over the next little while here with the deadline being over. Yeah. Not to check. You this, know, this weekend will be a big, like, check-in on Philip Heronic. Right, weekend. get it a little deeper. But I do believe he's kind of that new-age, two-way defenseman. Mm-hmm that this organization has been missing in a massive way, you know? And there's a real chance he's going to be the best player the Canucks have acquired defensively in at least a decade Since via like trade. Hamhues? Uh, Hamhues was a free, free agent, agent signing, right? Via yeah. trade. I, I think Airhoff's the only trade I can think of the past decade yeah, or so where you got a defenseman that was better, yeah, right? Or like, you know, that was next level. 
Hironik has a chance to be better. Not because he's better offensively. I do think that Erhoff's overall potential offensively and what he could do was better, better skater as well. But Hironik's better defensively. And I think Hironik also has sneaky toughness mm-hmm. and grit that people don't really know about. I think people are going to be really impressed by how he plays. I just hope that what we saw this year is an indication that he's taken that leap and he doesn't kind of go back down. That's where I'm kind of reserving judgment to see what he turns out to be. But in terms of how he played this year and how well-rounded his game is, like he's a really fantastic hockey player. Like he truly is. Like I don't think we should be sitting here saying, oh, they traded for the next good Branson. You know what I mean? Like this guy is very talented. I I think it's another situation where you want somebody who can play like a simple game next to him. Um, he had more success with Olimata next to him this year than he did with Ben Sherratt. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the things you heard Alvin say about Kronik today, he can transport the puck, plays with more speed, can help us play a fast game, and that's what we want our identity to be. That's sort of the trademarks that they are looking for and making that quick pass to get their forwards going. And that's sort of what they did in Pittsburgh and they're trying to replicate it a little bit here in Vancouver. But, um, again, you're looking at hitting home runs with a few picks and a few plays, a few trades. That's uh, not always the way to build the most sustainable hockey team, but it's the way they are building this one here in Vancouver. Yannick Hansen, his take next on Canuck Central. Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Always a lot of discussion coming in on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, Pardeep. I'm so happy that PDG has been called back up, as I know it's been rough for Reach losing an unknown 16 to 20 draft pick <laughs> that could be a bust or maybe a star in five years. <laughs> I hope this softens the blow for Dan. It has to be awful to get the right hand shot defenseman. The market has been screaming for, for years. That's from Pardeep. It's good text. You know, it's one of those things we were just talking about this off air, right? Like we, we've been sitting here and saying, you got to address the defense. You got to find a defenseman. Uh, you got to be find a righty defenseman and it has to be somebody who can move the puck and skate and do all those things. And Heronic does all those things. Yes. The issue, that one, there's like three issues that people take exception with, and that's why they say don't make the trade. One is, does it fit the timeline in terms of the age? Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one being, you're accumulating assets. Why mm-hmm. not be patient to see what else comes your way and maybe accumulate more? And the third one being that you just look at it and say, how much are you going to pay this guy in a couple of years? And how does that all fit in? Like Those are questions, legitimate ones. But in terms of fitting, like Party mentioned, all your needs, like he does fit your needs. It's just, does it sink? And is he the player that he shows to be this year? Because if he is, he's a home run player. Yeah. Also going to be very expensive in 18 months. That's also true. And you still have Oliver Ekman Larson on the books. You're already over the cap going into next year. You got to pay good players, right? Yep. Eventually you got to pay good players. You do have to pay good players. Um, and the Canucks do need more of them than they need less of them. But 
Given the salary cap, it can't always uh, be such an easy equation. This analyst is brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. It is Yannick Hansen joins us every Friday on Canuck Central. Thanks for this as always, Yannick. Um, your take on the Vancouver Canucks and the the trade deadline week we've seen, especially the addition of Philip Heronik. Yeah, we, we've been looking for direction. Um, I, I think that got uh, cemented uh, right there, uh, whether this was a rebuild or a retool. Uh, the rebuild can be thrown away now, and there's obviously no chance they're doing that, even with all the major surgery and all these things. Uh, take steps back. No, he says today in his uh, pressure as well, playoff is, is the goal next year. Mm-hmm. So if, if that is what it is, well, then you need a Philip Perona. You you need these type of players because you need to get better than you were this year. Uh, and again, that is the one area. Is it the right direction? Is it the right decision? Well, we'll judge that next year when 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 we roll around this time. But, but there's no question which direction they're pulling. So again, you're bringing in a, a player like him, which is instantly going to be your second best defenseman. And hopefully, he is that player that he's shown because um, we've been we've been earning for for a right-handed defenseman in the right age that can come in and make a difference um fill that that role between Quinn Hughes and the bottom pairing um but again is it the right direction right now that that's obviously up for debate um if you're looking to get better right now that then you need this type of player but again it all depends on where you feel your your team are on on that curve well and you know you kind of mentioned uh, the question about this right do the Vancouver Canucks take the right path here? Like, do you think in terms of getting the player you mentioned, it's the right guy they kind of need. Is this the right way to go? Would you like to see them be patient or do you understand what they're trying to do here? I don't because they don't have the, the calf space to, because we need more than just him. Uh, and unless they find a, a magic eraser and make OEL go away, make Tyler Myers go away and clear up that money and then bring in replacement then then I don't see them becoming good enough where it makes a difference. Um, if we were on the cusp, um, you see Edmonton bringing in Matias Ekholm. Um, you see Ottawa bring in uh, uh, Jacob Chichen. These are type of players that when you're right on the cusp and these players can make your team better, by all means, pay first-round draft picks for them because those, those are the guys you need. But when you're on a different path, um, you're 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 putting yourself in a tough position where you're kind of treading water. Where yeah, he will make your team better, and hopefully that that they'll make a little bit of a push. But but is it enough to become a contender? No, it's not. And that's where if they had all this cap space behind this, where you could see, okay, we have room to improve in free agency. We have room to uh, make trades for players where it's not dollars in, dollars out. That then it makes sense. Uh, but but in my opinion, looking at these teams, that there's there's just too many holes where I don't see a, an avenue. And again, maybe that's why I'm not 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 employed and not having to make these decisions for them to clear up the cap space to get good enough in order for trades like this to to play out for them right now. It's uh, it's been incredibly hard for them to to build a defense core out, right? One that's deep that, you know, has a bunch of guys that can do a bunch of different things. And Hironic, you know, he profiles again as a, as an offensive defenseman plays a little bit of a tougher game, but it seems like, you know, they're just, 
One of the things they're trying to do is get more defensemen that can transport the cu- the puck quickly up to their forwards. I think that's you know the mindset with getting an Ethan Bear in here. Uh, they're still trying to figure out how to get rid of some of these other guys, but one of the bets they're making is that they can play more of a team game, a, a faster game, and that's going to help them get better. But as you say, one player is not going to change entirely how you're able to play the hockey game. No, you still got to be able to defend. Um, and, yeah. and this trade, obviously, I, I I don't know him. Again, he plays in the East. I, I can't remember watching Detroit play in, in Eon, so, so I can't tell you what type of player he is. Again, it takes time form my own opinion stuff like that um but but again we have puck movers we have the 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 producers if you will he's not going to get first power play minutes no he's going to get second power play minutes so is he going to be able to contribute five on five at this pace i don't know um i i don't think so um again it is a very offensive team so if you get a guy in there who went Quinn Hughes step off the ice unless he's playing with Quinn Hughes and then there's not a lot of puck going around all of a sudden. Um, but again, can he hold his own pairing? Because um, right now, uh, if you pair these two up, then there's still a, a ginormous hole behind them. Um, so, so again, that's where this cap space that I'm missing comes into place as to where, where is that getting filled from. But again, we have been talking about, okay, we need the defense to get better. And it did get better. And we have been talking about getting younger right-handed defensemen in who can play. This guy can do that. So again, it, it all depends on, on timing. Has this, had this been, move been, been done in, in the off season in the summer here, we would have applauded our hands because this really puts them in the right direction. We've been needing these guys. But now with the season, the way it transpired and everything, I think everybody was kind of hoping that they would take two or three steps back, not one step forward with bowl trading, and then two steps back right away, getting up all these draft picks all of a sudden again. So it, it's, again, they're retooling. They're, they're not rebuilding as maybe some of us were hoping for. And again, it's not our choice. It, it's theirs. And, and they see it the way they do, and then they go out and do it. And again, if that's what they're trying to do and they want to make the playoff next year, well, we need a right-handed defenseman who can play. We need to get better on the back end. And they went out and did that, and they went out and paid with that, uh, paid for it with, with draft picks. So again, come next season, this is what we will judge them on. We will judge them on, are you a playoff team? Or are you competing in your division in the conference? And if you're not, well, then, then you're at the mercy of listeners, radio, mm-hmm. fans, everybody again, where if you come out and say, hey, well, we're rebuilding. It's going to be a terrible year, all these things. We're trying to um, clear up cash space. Well, then I wouldn't think fans would be throwing jerseys on the ice because it's explained to them where now when, when you come back and you say, hey, playoff is the goal, and if we don't make the playoff, it's a disappointment. We're bringing in these, these guys. Well, then fans are going to want to see a playoff team. Uh, and, again, that's, that's where this tug and pull keeps coming, where is it better to take a couple steps back in order to come come back with a real run at it instead of trying to to limp in if you will so it's it's a little frustrating when you're sitting on the sideline and and hoping for something to happen and then it doesn't but then again like i said it's not my job i'm not the one getting paid to make the decision and all these things i'm just a fan like like everybody else um so again, there there is two sides to the coin. So let, let's walk through this a little bit. I'm just going to go over what they have on the roster with you really quickly here. So we know they have Mikheyev, Pedersen, Kuzmenko. Uh, then there's Miller, Bavillier, and we'll see what happens with Garland and Besser and put Coles in, right? And then you know, a couple of guys, Joshua and whatever, uh, kind of in the forward group. 
You have Hughes and Hironic now. You have Demko, of course. Clearly, you need a couple of defensemen. When, when I go through that roster, how many holes do you see outside of defense? The, the, the forward, looking, it's looking good. You need a third-line center yeah. again. We, yep. we were hoping for Curtis Lassar to fill that spot. Um, he didn't for, for whatever reason, but that's the type of player you're hoping to bring in. Youngish, cheap deal, upsides, uh, hopefully a right-handed center, all, all these things. But again, it's a third-line center. It is a lot easier to find that than, than the other holes. You, you need to find defensemen. Defensemen who can defend. Defensemen who can block shots. You, you pray Luke Shen is coming back um, at, a, at a reasonable deal because that will fill a hole you, you, you need instantly when he left. Um, that, that's the one uh, saving grace there. Bring him back on a reasonable deal. He likes it here, all these things, but you don't know what happens once the guy's traded. But then again, you, you, need, you need another defenseman at least if you're if you're getting him so it's the defense is still the hole that needs to be plugged and we need these defensemen who can defend who takes pride in in blocking shots you need to get that this penalty kill going you can't go into a third year and uh, hovering around with 60 70 percent if you want to play in the playoff you need to be above 80 no no question there And, and it's it's I'm saying it's easy. It's not easy to fix, but like you get the right type of guys in who takes pride in these things, you will turn this this around in, in a jiffy. But but again, you need to get guys in who can play that role, um, who takes pride in it, uh, and who will execute. Again, um, you brought in Rick Tockett again. He he was in that sense that we're going to bring in and let these guys play. We've seen um, the Dakota Joshua kill penalties a little bit more now. We we've seen these guys taking on roles they didn't in the past. And these are the types you want to see in this role because there's only so much ice time to go around. And if you're all of a sudden sitting out um, on a power play and a penalty kill, then your five-on-five ice time is not enough to, to be, be effective. You need this time. So, so you need to spread the ice time that way. Hopefully get Quinn Hughes, PD off the penalty kill. I know people kind of like it because they can create something, but it's, I'd hate to see them get hurt or injured. And again, uh, different roles... Um, so, so hopefully get them off there and then find suitable replacements. Then there is a way for this. But all these things I just mentioned, they, they take cap space. They take, uh, and that's where I can't see it coming from. You guys mentioned that it's um, they're already over going into next year. Um, so again, barring any uh, trades that are really in, in Vancouver's favors for some reason, or you end up paying other teams to take on your your bad contracts if you will which is also a slippery slope when we're not quite there so it's again uh, a lot of question marks right now um but again like we've been mentioning over the past month or, or whatever vancouver have the tough positions filled you have your number one d you have your number one center we've just seen what demko can do two games back after not having played for months you have a number one goalie those are the tough spots. Those are the, st- uh, the spots uh, contenders um, want to get filled first, and then we fill in around them. Um, but again, you need cap space to do that. Well, and, and that's why I kind of wondering about the back end. And, you know, what to do with Oliver ekman Larson is really fascinating because he, what you just mentioned, they need guys who can defend, guys who can PK, and can fill the gaps that guys like Hronik and Quinn Hughes have. And that's not Oliver ekman Larson because if, 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 if ekman Larson stays, I see it working on the third pair, which is 
it's insane for the amount of money, but it is what it is if you don't buy him out, right? What are you going to do? You can't trade him. You can't buy him out. If you don't want to buy him out, that's what it's going to be. Is it not easier then to maybe find two guys to play with Hironic and Hughes instead of have, trying to go with Hughes and Hironic on one pair and then trying to find another higher level guy to play with OEL in your second pair? Like, Are you not better off having those guys on def- different pairs and finding steady D-men to play next to them? That's what I would prefer. I- I'd prefer three puck movers with three uh, sound defensive guys. And then come special teams, then you mismatch. But mm-hmm. um, you want a Quinn Hughes playing with a Chris Tanev. You want a Horonic playing with a Chris Tanev. You want an OEL playing with a Chris Tanev. And I mention Chris Tanev now because he's so easy to point out. Everybody knows what he's about. He, he has about zero offensive instinct, but he is so damn good at getting the puck out of trouble, playing the defense, being on the right side, blocking shots. So if you could have three of this mold, and Luke Shen was the same idea. If you can find three of these guys, um, and Luke Shen plays well on the on the third pairing, but I prefer him not to play 21 minutes with Quinn Hughes on the first pairing. That's where you need a little bit of a different type of player, but there are um, defensive in, in that aspect. So again, if you can find these pairings, they, they seem to gel really well. They don't have to worry about being covered if they make a small mistake because you know their, their defense department is there to clean up that stuff. He's not all of a sudden joining the rush as well. Um, so, so it makes it a lot easier for these offensive uh, defensemen if they know they have that anchor. Um, there was a lot of uh, discussion around JT Miller this week and a lot of rumors, you know, uh, draft picks potentially being offered. Uh, Canucks saying, at least publicly, that uh, nothing was ever all that serious despite a few phone calls being made, including one that was made today. Um the Canucks seem to view it as a situation like they have to get value for JT Miller. Uh, is it a situation though where you know they should be trying to move off of that contract if they can? Not if you're trying to make the playoffs next year. Um, yeah. If you, if you don't care about uh, your playoff next year, then then by all means move move off of it. Get uh, a bunch of picks, clear up the cap space, and uh, then use that as a weapon. Um, but if if you're like you said. Playoff is the goal next year. You can't move on from JT Miller because he's still a good player. He still puts up almost a point a game. And if you do move on from him, you, you need a, a suitable replacement because uh, they are very thin on center right now. Uh, I mean, it's if he goes, it's uh, it's Petey and, and Oman, and, and that's it for centers, as I know, uh, right off the top of my head. So you, you would need a replacement there. And like I said, they, they mentioned they want to be in the playoff next year. Well, if JT goes out next year and put up a point a game, then he's still earning that $8 million. But it all comes back to, uh, are we just striving to make the playoff mm-hmm. or are we striving to, to, to make a dent here and go rounds after rounds? And that's really what it comes down to. Well, because just making the playoffs isn't exactly the highest bar. I mean, half nope. the league makes the playoffs, right? So it's it's not even about being elite. It's about being better than the bottom half of the league, right? So it's not the highest bar to clear. But we're seeing a division get a bit tougher and stronger, and that's going to be a challenge potentially if some of those teams do get better next year. But in terms of... When we look at the players on the team, we heard Quinn Hughes mentioned uh, yesterday that he doesn't want to be here for a rebuild and they feel like they're closer. Is that just a player mentality, no matter who you have on your roster, that you always feel like you can be close if you make one or two moves? Or is that something that players truly feel? I, I like To be honest, if I'm Quinn Hughes, I, I wouldn't want to be part of a rebuild that long either. Um, again, he's so good. Uh, he's looking around the league at the other defensemen and like you want to play in the playoff. They've had such a small taste and it is like... 
It is so much fun, man. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> Going into those game one, the whole city is buzzing, and it's yeah, it's it's a phenomenal feeling. Um, and they didn't even get to do it in front of fans, uh, so I, I can understand their distaste for a rebuild. I mean, they've been here for a number of years now, and it, it has been treading water. Is that purgatory not quite bad enough to get the um, the picks that makes a difference, and not quite good enough to get into the playoff again? So I can see why he's going out saying that, and I believe he he feels that way too. Um, again, I think it would be a very very hard sell to PD as well. Um, going into this summer and say, hey, PD, it's going to be another three or four years. Uh, can we lure you into staying long term or or what's going to happen here? That would be a tough sell as well because these are competitive players and, and they do want to compete. Hopefully they want to win. Um, and, and if you don't see a way to do that um, or a way forward, um, it might be easier just to play out your deal and then take your luck in in free agency. Before we let you go, I wanted to get a couple of thoughts on uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, who we saw have a pretty strong game last night. And I know you mentioned you can't read too much into players uh, in small samples. He's played a little bit in the National Hockey League so far, but it's clear he's got size. It's clear that he's got a good shot and, and decent instincts. For a player like that, who still needs to be better and more engaged, engaged along the boards, we saw some of him, he won some battles. I've heard he's one of those players that you can't, you know, try to drill on details all the time because if you do, it's going to be hard to reach him. Players like that, how do you get them to do some of those details that coaches want, but also to let them flourish and, and show some of the skills that they have? Yeah, obviously he needs to get acclimatized. Yeah. Um, I think obviously it, it helps with him having a couple of other Russians around. Um, and again, it also makes them uh, buy in a little bit more. And you mentioned the size, you mentioned the skill. If you can get size and skill and speed combined with desire, it's almost unstoppable. Um, so he's got the size, he's got the skill, he's got the shot. Um, it seems like from what's coming out of New York, is it was consistency and it was compete. And it's one of those things that if you can get through, and like all he has to do is look at Pot Colson last night as well. He's driving first, he's going into boards first, fighting for pucks, driving the net, taking it across, and that's really all it takes because that'll put you in those positions where you're going to start scoring goals, and then that snowball start rolling for you because there's no question he's got speed and skill. It's the reason he got drafted as high as he could. Um, he obviously needs to find that consistency, and that's often easier to do with compete because if you rely on skill, you, you need to be pretty damn skilled to do that. Yannick, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for this. My pleasure. Take uh, care. There he is, Yannick Hansen, uh, one of the best. What a beauty. Always appreciate his uh, insights, and uh, so do you on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Every week Yannick is on, always a lot of uh, praise for the insights he is able to bring. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. It is a Friday. So, as much as we've already talked about what the Canucks have done or have not done, sad. There are many questions from the listeners in the mailbag about your Vancouver Canucks as well. So we'll hit the break and come back with more on your Canucks with the mailbag. That's next on Canuck Central.